Sat Nam. I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusing.com. Bless you. Satnam. As we have passed through spring equinox and we're moving through the spring, this opportunity to plant new seeds is right here upon us. And in order to plant new seeds, we need to know what kind of crop is required. For the past 80,000 years, we've been deeply developing this frontal lobe. And this frontal lobe has given us many opportunities, but it's also subtracted some fundamental realities from our existence. There's an entire group of senses that we have lost over the past 80,000 years. And each one of them was lost because we stopped using it. If you don't use it, you lose it. And the one that we're losing now, the one that when we lose it, it causes terror, is the sense of self. When you lose the sense of self, you feel so lost that the only thing that happens is the highest grade of fear, which is terror. And in that terror, you act out. They have a war on it right now, a war on terror. It's an interesting oxymoron. There are other senses that we've lost. We've lost the common senses. The common senses are those senses which comprehend that which is common to life. Good air, good water, good earth. Essential for all life. The World Health Organization has determined that 7 million people died worldwide in 2012 from bad air. And that's continuing and increasing. That's a holocaust a year. And the perpetrators of this holocaust are all of those human beings that have lost the common sense. The evidence is clear. Fracking will destroy the Earth's water supply. Air and water are commons to life. But if you've lost the common sense, you perpetrate these events without knowing it. Like a small child will spill a glass of juice 
on a very expensive outfit that you've just put on. And no matter what you say to the child, the child cannot comprehend your dilemma. The child just does not have the possible capacity to comprehend your dilemma. So please understand that this is not a diatribe on and against the beings that don't understand the dilemma of life. When you lose the common sense, you lose a sense of what's common to life. We had two other senses some time ago. One was called the botanical sense, which we lost when we began to cultivate food from seed. When we were out in search of food, just gathering it, we had a sense that when we approached a plant, we would know, not because of its smell, not because of its sight, not because of its feel, not because of its taste. It was a completely independent sense called the botanical sense. We could approach a plant and we knew whether it was nutritional, medicinal, or pathological, food, medicine, or poison. And the entire Chinese system was developed this way. There are tribes in the world, indigenous people in the world, that still maintain this sense deep in the back country of the Amazon, deep in the back country of New Guinea, they still have this sense, they still understand the medicines, the nutrients, and the pathogens of the plant world. The only senses that we have maintained are the senses that we use to interact with the mirror. The sense of sight, the sense of hearing, the sense of tasting, the sense of smelling, and the sense of touching. But we have lost the senses that are common to life. We have lost the senses of the self. And amongst the senses of the self is the sense of purpose. And without a sense of purpose, we make up stories as to what our purpose is. And we wander in a lifetime of stories made up about what our purpose is. And we use emotions, we attach emotions to the stories in order to develop ourselves, to keep ourselves going. To some people, purpose is just keeping a roof over their head, even if it's just a piece of cardboard. You see them with their market baskets every day, filled with the few belongings that are basic to their existence. The sense of self is connected to the sense of oneness. Whatever is happening to you is in fact happening to me. If I have blanked out the ability for me to have that sensation of what is happening to you, that just shows that I've used that 
as a means of numbing myself to your circumstance. And in that way, it's just like having local anesthesia. When somebody is going to cut into your hand to perhaps remove something, you have a local anesthetic and you don't feel anything. Well, the anesthetic that we have taken on for tens of thousands of years in our inability to comprehend each other's dilemmas and circumstances is pretty much non-local now. It's pretty much a general anesthetic. We are dead asleep. You're in this room this morning not because you lost your way to work. You're in this room this morning because you know that there is something in the practice of kundalini yoga and meditation that reaches back through that general anesthesia and gets you in touch with that which is common, that which is common to life, that which is common to self, that which is common to purpose. Not only did seven million people die in 2012 of bad air quality, and they're finding where air, bad air quality leads to heart disease, to lung disease, to cancer, to all of the stress disorders. But 13,000 people, mostly children, die every day from bad water. And that's going to go up, what's the word in mathematics? Exponentially. That's going to increase exponentially. Not only do 13,000 people die every day from bad water, but 27,000 people starve each day from the lack of food. And yet the World Health Organization understands that the only thing that lacks in food is distribution. The world is still producing more food that it's con than it's consuming. The amount of food that is thrown away by restaurants on a daily basis could actually feed. The, mo the amount of food that is thrown away by the restaurants of the world on a daily basis could actually feed those 27,000 people every day. So the other thing that we've lost in our loss of the sense of oneness is our sense of holism. How can we, as a, as a community, as a global community, comprehend these challenges of distribution and simply set in motion the distribution? How can you experience someone else in your world and realize that they're lacking in joy and that there's actually an infinite amount of joy in the moment. So you can't actually give them some of your joy because that will sometimes have the opposite effect. You give them some of their joy, they will fight for their agony. 
because their agony is more familiar to them than your joy. But if you gave them an opportunity to do something on a daily basis, which we do in this classroom, which is just breathe yourself here. Breathe yourself here. I understand your agony is significant, but we need to get some leverage on that agony. So breathe yourself here. Breathe yourself here. Come to here. Get a sense of self. Enable yourself to overcome the agony, which is just an event of the mirror anyway, by arriving at that which is not the mirror, which is the one sense that we've completely demolished, called presence, the pre-sense, the sensation that happens before the mirror happens, the pre-sense, commonly called presence. We're going to do some exercises today that are extremely boring. And the reason that we do those exercises is because once you actually allow yourself to be completely bored without trying to resist the boredom, you're actually in the state of Buddha. You're in what's known as the middle path, the path without extremes. And the path without extremes is the doorway into the center because the extremes hold on to the sides of the doorway. Let's complete the metaphor. Hold on to the door jam. And don't allow you to drop through to now. Because once you drop through to now, the scariest thing in the world takes place. Joy overflows. And that's extremely scary because you at first believe that you don't deserve it, and secondly, you're not familiar with it, so it scares you even more. Joy is scary. You feel unsafe. You feel unprotected. And so you go in. You evacuate the mirror. You go into self. You get scared. You come out of self. You climb back into the mirror. Occupy with some busyness, something familiar, one of your familiar agonies. Then you get tired of that after a bit of time. You decide maybe go try the mirror, drop out of the mirror again. You drop into self. You're in there for a little bit longer. You say, wow, this is really great. And then it gets even more joyful and that's scary, so you exit the self and you climb back into the mirror, pick up some old friends. I don't mean your associates. The friends like your particular agonies, each one of us. Each one of us. I'm not talking to you. So don't take this personally. I'm talking to myself. Each one of us has our private stash of agonies, the most devastating of which we wouldn't show anyone. Those are 
those are the ones that we really hold on to. And the only reason that the mirror reflects some of the absurdities that you experience in your life is that that's what mirrors do. <laughs> what do mirrors reflect? That which is standing before it. And you go, yeah, but that's not me. Well, interesting. We could all stand in front of that mirror there. I'm sure that's why we put it up there. Besides, it makes the room look twice as big, you know. It's like when somebody shoots a picture in here, they go, wow, there's so many people in that room. And then they start realizing that there's twins. When you stand in front of the mirror, understand that the mirror that we speak of is not a mirror bound by time. That mirror right there is bound by the illusion of time. You do not have yesterday reflected out of that mirror. But the mirror of our existence is reflecting eternity. So what you're experiencing in this mirror that is reflecting back out of you is everything that ever was, is, and shall be in your existence. The trick is to utilize the mirror, not get lost in it. Again, the trick in life is to utilize the mirror, not get lost in it. That means that you do not ignore the circumstances that are reflecting back to you, but you know that the only place that you can find the leverage to be effective with whatever it is that is reflecting back to you is deep inside you, at your center point. You cannot change your look of hair by fussing with the glass in the mirror. You know that for a fact. But what you don't know for a fact is you can't change a circumstance, not one circumstance. Not one circumstance in your life you cannot change. One circumstance in your life out there in your life. You can only change it in here. Sure, I can take a piece of paper and I can block out my reflection and draw on that piece of paper something that I like better than my reflection. And as long as I stand in that place believing that story, that will work for me. But I cannot grow because I must be static. I cannot grow. I cannot move. I cannot do anything. The Buddha said it best. He was in motion and suddenly he experienced a tremendous agony. And he found that if he got to the moment that he was in, that agony didn't exist because that agony was a memory that had produced an anticipation. And the memory that produced the anticipation had become so believable he had turned it into reality. 
That reality had become so believable that it began to have a physical presence. That physical presence became so convincing that it was undeniable. And yet, if he came out of that mirror, if he had the audacity to come out of that mirror into this moment, that agony was not present. And yet, that agony was connected to an entire set of stories through which he had passed. Now he was lost. Can I go to the joy that is and abandon the story that has brought me through? That is the dilemma which you must resolve. And you must resolve it slowly on a daily basis. You cannot just go, That was just sound effects. You cannot do that. What is that? That is just an intellectual event. You have to bring your cellular system, your emotional system, your psychological system, your spirit system, your spirit system meaning your consciousness, through this. Everything has to move and resolve and move to now. And that requires the illusion of time because the illusion of time produced it and the illusion of time must resolve it. And that's why we have things like we give ourselves 40-day sadhanas, 120-day sadhanas, 1,000-day sadhanas. I'm on one meditation now. It's been 3,800 and about 82 days. I'm thinking that that's going to be an eternal sadhana. It's like once you get a big investment in something, you're not going to quit. You're not going to quit. Start something that you are consistent with. Don't live your life as a hodgepodge. That's a very technical term. I steal it from our teacher. Don't live your life as a hodgepodge. Create consistencies that your life knows at 10 o'clock at night, at 9 o'clock at night, this is going to take place. At 4 o'clock in the morning, this is going to take place. At 6 o'clock in the morning, this is going to take place. At 12 noon, this is going to take place. Set yourself up so that your body can just look forward to moments when it is going to go, ah, back to now. Coming back to presence. Coming back to that sense of self. Coming back to that sense of purpose. Coming back to that sense of commonness. That common sense. And then what will happen is you will know Once you know with a common sense, you will approach food, you will know, is that food good for me? Is that food nutritional, medicinal, or somewhat pathological for me? 
and you will make your choices on food, not based on the little tongue going, how does it taste? How does it taste? No, no. Your whole body will have a sensation. How is it going to be for me? Now? In six hours? In two days? How is this food going to be for me? That is common sense. And when we get enough people with common sense, we'll start a movement of cleaner air. We'll start a movement of cleaner water. What's more important in this room? A. Natural gas. B. Clean water. I mean, you just go, that's such a stupid question, Guru Singh. Correct? Thank God that you know that. That you have that common sense. Don't spend your energy condemning those that don't have it. Spend your energy in gratitude that you do. And if you spend your energy in gratitude that you do, you will become contagious. And instead of condemning those that don't have it, you'll become a contagion for those that don't have it to get it. Not all of them, but those that are reachable and teachable will be available. Has this made sense? Yes. 80,000 years vacating the self, losing a vast number of senses that are as foreign to us as sight is to one who was born blind. Can you imagine describing to someone the difference between indigo and purple and royal blue who has never seen a color, who has never had the sense of sight? Can you imagine what words would you use? You say, well, purple is a little darker and you're saying it to a person that has only understood blackness, darkness. How can you understand darker than that or lighter than that? So we have lost senses for which we have absolutely no comprehension. But once they begin to come back, we will begin to remember them. We will begin to recognize them. Mm. That must be your goal. Become fully aware, enlightened. Let's get back our senses. Let's awaken our being. The answer to all that is out there is in here. You have leverage with what is out there. It's not like a quick fix. But it's, an, it's, it's, it's a fix. It ultimately fixes it so that it never goes back to what it was. We can do this. We can do this in our lives. We can do this in our world. Because the world will become a reflection of our lives. That's our task. Love you. Good job. Thank you for joining us. 
Visit gurusingh.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more. Bless you.